Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of CSM SuccessCast, a podcast for customer success practitioners by customer success practitioners. Uh, I am joined once again uh, by uh, Drew Gilbert and uh, Kathleen Rouse, so thank you both for coming along. And today's topic uh, was uh, decided on a few minutes before we started as we started having a conversation about how you scale customer success organizations and the process that small uh, startups tend to go through when they uh, when they move from a, a small expert driven type customer success motion into one that is more process focused and the heady art of getting over yourself in that regard and so uh, Kathleen was just starting to tell us uh, a bit about her own journey in that in that space before we said hang on a minute we probably should record that uh, and so Kathleen I wonder if you want to just give us a bit of bit of context about that journey and we'll we'll kind of go from there thank you Mike yes happy to do so um, so as I was just sharing with uh, Mike and Drew <clears throat> with you guys um, you know it's a really interesting time for um, my company and me in that we are, you know, I see us shifting from uh, this sort of early stage, you know, do whatever it takes to survive kind of company. Um, and I'd say we, we're we're well past that, you know, probably maybe about a year or two um, beyond kind of fighting to survive to more of really focusing on um, working into um working into more of an enterprise space um, and, and working with customers in the enterprise space. So it's just a very fascinating time, right? You know, we're, we're, um, we have a tremendous team of people that I have, I'm very fortunate to work with. But one of the challenges that we're faced with now is that we have to really operate at scale. And so it's, it's the goal and the challenge that we have is to get the knowledge that sits within just a core group of um, experts that have been with the company since its inception out to the masses, as it were, um, out to the rest of the CSMs so that our customers can really benefit from that knowledge. <clears throat> and I think that's the the key thing here. And, and it's actually a very timely topic. Um, I'm, I'm going through the process right now of talking about what are the the key topics, what's the most important information that our CSMs need to be aware of as they are working with our customers? How can we, how can we, how can we really take our service to our customers and um, really be true strategic guides and be proactive advisors to our customers as they're going on that journey with us? Um, so I actually wanted to turn it over to, um, you know, maybe uh, Mike, let's start with you just because you, you went through this really great uh, discussion about moving um, moving into this more of a, how do you continue to be a leader, um, but stay, you know, sharp and continue to uh, challenge yourself and not just not just challenging your team, but challenging yourself, you know, share, share a little bit about um, the skills and the ways that you think are beneficial to scale the CSM organization. Um, sure, I think yeah, I think what you were saying though is a is is a great is is a great introduction to what is a common challenge in a lot of customer success organizations, which is you've started with a few people who are very tightly connected to some of the some of the biggest customers, and you're essentially doing whatever it takes to get those people to be successful, and not necessarily paying a ton of attention to. Uh, whether that is a repeatable process or 
even necessarily taking the time to deconstruct what the magic recipe is for making customers successful um, because everything's focused on just some of those uh, you know those those top customers and <clears throat> try to make them successful regardless of whatever um, and it's a very different mindset to then move into one where you then say hang on what is the recipe that I'm following here and how can I make that re recipe into something that works every works every time um, and there's two ways to there's two ways to perceive that one way is to uh, perceive that as a hey, well, my value is in being the expert in all this stuff, and therefore I see making writing it down or making it repeatable a threat to me because uh, I will, you know, I don't want everybody else to be able to do what I do because I'm a magic unicorn and, and I'm awesome. Um, so that's one way to perceive it. And I certainly, I've certainly seen that in organizations that try and, try and scale. I think we've all seen variants of that. Um, and then the other way to think about it in terms of how do I keep myself challenged is, it's a different challenge to turn something into a repeatable process, and it's actually it's actually really quite difficult. Um, and so there's a, there's a great opportunity there to test your you know test your skills out in a different context of you know if you think doing something at a customer is hard, explaining it in a way that makes it repeatable at every customer is even harder. You know any <clears throat> any any sports coach can be successful at a team, but can you go to multiple teams and be successful with those with those teams? Um, it's that that kind of uh, that that kind of mentality that I think is really that is think is really interesting. I know Drew, you were talking about earlier on parallels about you know that that's a common that's not just a customer success challenge. That's a challenge that's that's symptomatic of scaling of uh, scaling of startups generally. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that that I think is is really interesting for a startup is the the initial team and, and the founders. Um, to have success, they really need to grind and know everything about the business, right? They, they're the ones who not only know, but they have to execute. And as you start scaling, the role of the, the CEO in an organization shifts from being someone who is outrageously hands-on with every detail and, and knowing everything to finding people who can be responsible for key areas of the business um, and putting them in charge and empowering them and as a CEO, maintaining the vision. And so there's a shift from kind of what Kathleen was talking about of, of being the expert and, and that knowledge person and uh, hiring other people to turn that into, um, you know, an ownership for, for their part. And that seems to be a, a really difficult problem. So um, I, know, I know that I've seen executives struggle with it, um, but I think if you apply it to CSMs, there's, there's essentially two two dynamics, right? There's, you're either part of the team that has all of this knowledge and as you start to scale uh, needing, like you were saying, how do you turn that into a, a repeatable and, and scalable process? Or uh, you get brought into a team that has those experts, but you may be the leader um, of, of that new group. And how do you turn, uh, how do you work with a team to turn that experience into repeatable process where you don't know everything? And and I, I see both of those happening quite a bit. Um, where so Kathleen, with with the situation where you're at, are most of the the people that are are there uh, and leading? Are they have they been there for a while, or are they new? What what kind of dynamic do you see in in that? Gosh, that's such an interesting question. When you talked about that latter <clears throat> example, where you were brought in as the leader. 
and you don't know everything um, and you have a team of, you know, experts, um, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd say that, you know, that is my experience. Um, not to say that I'm the leader that doesn't know what to do, but, um, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a very humbling, exciting challenge to be in at the moment. Um, I, I say this with, with pure, um, you know, authenticity in that I am very fortunate to work with people who have, you know, a lot of experience, have a lot of expertise and bring a lot of different perspectives to the table. And my, goal as the as the leader is to disseminate that and to really share out that knowledge and and take some of those tips and um, identify those key uh, milestones or key points in the customer journey where um, uh, you know where my team of experts have really made an impact mm-hmm. um, it's it's super challenging you know just like you said Mike um, it is a very tough problem um you know getting people listening listening to um and and let me just talk a little bit about the mechanics that i take so so each week i have a a team meeting and i always start off with a time for all of us to share our customer highlights you know what what went well through the week and what are our challenges and you know i position it as an opportunity for us to, to leverage the collective brain power on the call to um, help solve those challenges together. And every time that we talk through these uh, highlights and challenges, there's always a good nugget that someone has to share. Um, people have come from all different backgrounds, from consulting, from account management, from you know being administrators, you know, former customers of ours. Um, so they all bring these different perspectives that really make for a very um, uh, a solution and, um, you know, guidance, if you will, or playbooks that we can leverage um, to really help the entire team. I think one of the one of the hardest things it, it can be as a as an expert. So speaking from speaking from a personal perspective of uh, somebody that came from the the, the Yammer um, Yammer organizations where we kind of all all kind of instinctively understood how to have the conversation with customers that led to them thinking about how to make themselves successful being an ex- coming from a position where you are an expert in that and then trying to explain to people what the individual steps are when you've been doing it for so long that it's actually instinctive for you to do that is incredibly hard um, mm. and it's almost like you need somebody that is external to that process asking you the frankly the really basic questions about what it is you're doing to help you realize how much of it that you how much of it you don't actually write down that you really do need to write down just simple things like uh you would say you'd say hey well you need to get in touch with the right person at the customer you'd say well who's the right person and you would say well it's the it's somebody that has responsibility for making the business value happen and they would say right well, what does that look like what role do they have is it this person and you'd be like huh actually so there's a ton of complexity that I just gloss over because I've been doing it for so long. It is actually incredibly important in producing a repeatable process for doing this. And I think the the knack, Kathleen, the, the, of the work that needs doing in that sort of situation is one where you're you're trying to tease that out of people in a way that helps them understand that yeah, they're they're incredible experts in this stuff. But to make it repeatable, you need to lay that out so that somebody else can follow that playbook. 
It's so true. And I think, uh, I think the other important aspect of that is to help people understand the signals that they need to listen for that tell them, aha, this is the, you know, it looks like it smells like it looks like this. Therefore, I need to do X, Y, and Z, right? So it, it, so it is kind of like a playbook. So if you see these certain situations, it's almost like a, um, you know, uh, leading indicators or, or a scorecard or whatnot um, that then tell you if, if, you're, if you see these types of situations, if you see, you know, these different um, metrics showing up or different signals from the customer, then take this action. Um, and it's very tough. You're, you're absolutely right, Mike. There's... Um, uh, you know, the, um, I, I love what what you just what you just commented on. Um, you know, the when when you see this, then do that, right? So um, I think it's just super important to help people not only understand what to do, but how do they know when to do it? Um, and it's a muscle memory, and trying to speed up that process of you know uh, knowledge that's learned through experience is. Um, is, is a real challenge and a tough one for any leader to, to build into the organization. Um, I, I'd love to hear if there's other, you know, other tips. I mean, I'll, uh, like I mentioned, I'm focused on kind of what are the signals, what are the, what are the trends in usage, what are the, um, you know, what are the signals such as case volume, such as, you know, um, version that the customer is adopting, that sort of stuff. Um, and then, therefore, here are the certain actions that you want to take. But I'd love to hear, um, you know, from either of you, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Drew, we could start with you, with, you know, how do you build in that muscle memory to your team? Um, you know, what are yeah. the mechanics that you take? Yeah, it's a, a great question. So I've, um, I would say the, the last time I've, I've really been the one who knew the most about a product was very early days of Yammer. And since then... Uh, it's really been, you know, coming into teams where I've I've had similar situations where everybody else knows just a lot more about that specific market and product. And what I've found is, um, kind of the tactics that I've used are are first to become a learner. So put put myself in the the seat of the student and go talk to everybody and find out, as, as Mike was saying, right, ask the basic questions to get an understanding. And because you can do that across the board with not only the, the team that's an expert, but uh, different departments and people, um, you can look at things through fresh eyes. Uh, also kind of from almost a, a kind of one step removed perspective, because uh, if you're new in an organization or, or leading a new team, you know, you're not necessarily in the weeds. So you you have the ability, I think, more easily to see the forests through the trees. Uh, it reminds me of this, um, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, and, and one of my favorites is with uh, Jocko Willink, who was um, a commander of a SEAL Team 3, I believe, in, in Ramadi back in 2006. And he was responsible for putting together the training program for, for future SEALs for a while. And one of the things that really stood out uh, was this this story of saying when he's training commanders and, and they run simulations, um, the most effective way for people to be able to make decisions in, in real-time battle is to be able to 
figuratively take a step back and look at everything that's going on to make decisions. And the way that he actually taught people to do that is putting them in extreme situations and then taking the commander and actually pulling them off the line five to 10 feet and just allowing them to take a breath and look at everything. And because of that, all of a sudden, there was a lot more clarity in the what decision needs to be made. And I think a lot of that is you know, you, you can take those lessons. By the way, he wrote a, a book called um, Extreme Ownership uh, that's specifically designed for business. And it's, it's really, really good. I highly suggest uh, taking a read. Uh, but that, I think that applies to what we're talking about, which is go in and, and try and understand what everybody's doing and, and be really good at finding the information. But I think the real value that can be added is being able to connect the dots between the information that you are learning from everybody. And so it's not that you are coming up with the right information. It's that you are aggregating everybody's information and trying to find trends and, and uh, kind of the big picture of, of what's going on. Oh, so good. Um, I love that extreme ownership. I'm definitely going to go and pick that up <laughs> as my next read. <laughs> Um, it's, it's so interesting that you talk about, you know, um, really, uh, pulling the commander back and almost taking a, what feels, I'm sure inside feels like the completely wrong thing to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and creating sort of a different muscle memory as it were, um, for them to be able to take a step back and look at the entire situation at a whole and then drawing those connection points. I think that's, um, super interesting. Um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, that being said, it's a, um, you know, I think as, as someone who, um, you know, comes in and is taking that step back, just, just naturally taking that step back is super, is really important. And I think one of the other challenges that I, you know, face as well is building that, um, not only building that muscle memory, but building that culture of, or building that um, environment where we are all sort of learners um, and, you know, not just the leader, but even, but even everyone um, on the front lines as, as it were, I'm, I'm, I'm really taking your, your uh, story <laughs> there and, and running with it through. Um, sure. But, but thinking about that and encouraging everyone to be in a place of um, being the student, um, if you will. And I think, you know, Mike, I, um, I was just super fortunate to be part of your organization as you really built out um, a unique culture. Um, I wanted to hear your thoughts just about how you positioned the culture to really make it um, a culture of really um, building out this this body of knowledge and, and encouraging all of us to um, not just be the experts, but to disseminate that knowledge to each other. Uh, okay. Um, I think the, or the, the first thing I did was I took Drew's culture and just did that. <laughs> so so let, let, let's let's put credit where credit is due first um and the but the i think the there's a couple of there's a couple of things like people i think when we think about this from the perspective of an individual um an individual csm right um if if you're a csm in an organization that's going through one of these uh, one of these transitions you will have historically been rewarded by being a superhero on stuff like you will get the praise because you're like hey we went in and we made it happen and we stayed late and we did all of these amazing things and we waved our hands and we made magic happen um and 
the way that you know that's very addictive getting that sort of praise and so the culture change i think is that is one about how do you create the everything from the way that you run your business the way the, the way that you report on things but most importantly the things that you the things that you focus on and say to people are great it's no good having a having a thing where you say right well what's really important is making this scalable repeatable thing where we're learners and we're understanding and we're deconstructing if the only thing that you talk about in terms of what people what are, what people are achieving continue to be the hero moments mm. it's almost, it, and and i i've seen that in it, it's it's really been interesting in the kind of in in the fast track environment inside of inside of microsoft where you where we've really tried to we've really tried to emphasize that so you have people we in our in our business reviews we will talk about customer stories and somebody will come on and say hey well look this customer is tremendously successful and you're like great what repeatable steps did you use to make them successful that's always the mm -hmm. first question and and it's and it's fascinating to see where you you see our leadership actually modeling those behaviors and saying it's awesome that you made this customer successful, but if you did not do it in a way that allows us to understand how our process needs to get better, that's not particularly helpful because that is one customer out of several hundred thousand. And so that that becomes then, and what that does is it sets people's minds on the way I need to be successful is by contributing to making the thing repeatable. And and that's been, uh, it's so interesting to be in an organization where that is the, the mantra is, you are successful as an individual in this in this organization if if two things are true one you follow the process of making that we're trying to make scalable and two all of your feedback is about how to make that process better you cannot be successful by superheroing your customers because that's not helpful and how so I, I was just going to say how, how did you get to that point I, I would imagine it didn't it didn't start day one of getting into Microsoft and everybody's talking that way. Can, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of uh, having that, uh, that focus? Uh, yeah, I think so. It starts, and this is, uh, let, let's, let's, let's say some trivial, let's say some trivialities. It starts with leadership. Yeah. yeah. What a great, what a great statement that is. <laughs> um, what that means, what that means in practicality, what that means in practicality is the, the person that owns, uh, the person that owns our function says the value you give to me is repeatable data on what is what works and what doesn't now if the only thing that that if the main thing that that person is the person that is funding your service is repeat is repeatedly asking for is what's the repeatable data on whether the whether things are working or not that then sets the starts to set the culture from the from the top down so fast track is interesting because it was built that way to begin with so it was built on the fact that the valuable thing is the telemetry that we provide around what steps are working and what steps are not. Mm -hmm. So, so we've we kind of, you know, there's a whole separate topic that we can we can cover on another another time, which is that one of sometimes one of the most effective ways to make a significant change in the way that you think about things is to actually actually almost start again and then transition your people into the new thing because it creates a mental shift that it is a new thing instead of if you say hey well, we're gonna we're gonna move from one thing to another thing but you're all still the same people working in the same org and we haven't said actually there's thing a and thing b and they're very different from each other mm. it, uh, what you get instead is people what you what you end up with is like this hangover of, of people trying to do the new thing in the old way um and that that is that makes transitions much harder so 
I think that you know we were fortunate in as much as we started on that but I've seen the other side of it where you know Kathleen and you saw the start of this and and it got much more painful after you you went trying to turn the trying to turn the Yammer CSM organization into something that was unbelievably repeatable when what we had was a team of magicians that was that was hard enough that was hard bordering on impossible and the reason mm-hmm. why it was so difficult is because that was where the you know where people see see saw a lot of their value was in being that you know providing that magic you know, we were called the unicorn team because we provided magic and so you know and and the types of personalities we had and the types of um, the types of skill set that we had and the, uh, to my point before the things that we focused on and rewarded <clears throat> were all about doing whatever it t- took to make the customer successful and so you know and you know, in retrospect if we wanted to create a repeatable thing something that we might have done differently would be to say hey there's this different group of people who are going to run the repeatable thing and their job is to build that thing and talk to you and derive the repeatable thing from it and then once the repeatable thing becomes big enough you can come and do the repeatable thing because the business of magicking customers is no longer the one that we're in so it's very, you know, I find that I find that whole thing that whole thing fascinating enough that I'm going to just fill airtime by talking about it. Um, but I don't know. Did, did that answer your question, Drew? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that you just said magicking. I, I think I might use that one again. Um, one one follow up though is right. The department you said was was built to have the strategy to begin with. Um, what happens if you are in an organization where this needs to be happening, but the leaders are are not necessarily saying that. Do you have any suggestions of of what to do from either a frontline CSM perspective or a middle manager perspective? Um, I think the you know it's it might be as an individual CSM, it might be worth thinking about it from the kind of lazy engineer mindset. What can I do? What can I do that makes my job easier and allows me to add more? You know, use my skills to add more value. So how can I? How can I create repeatable steps out of things that I just do all the time with customers, so that I have more time to build more effective relationships, add more value with more senior people in the org, do other do other things. So that mindset is always very helpful, regardless of what the prevailing culture is or not within within your organization. Um, mm. And as a middle as a middle manager, there's there's very few managers that you would be working under who would not value a conversation about how you're making the way you make your customers successful more effective. And there is a certain there's definitely a certain size your organization gets to at which point repeatability is pretty much the only way you're going to be able to be successful. After you get above like the, your first few hundred customers. You've got, to have, you've got to have a repeatable process because otherwise your business model is I am going to scale linearly by hiring absolutely incredible people. And that is really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Any, any thoughts on that one, Kathleen? You know, I was just, um, well, first, I, I just appreciate that Mike always makes my brain break on these calls. Um, I think there's just so many key nuggets about the way that um, we have to think about our teams. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I, th- I think just kind of going back to what you were talking about around the repeatable steps, um, you know, and, and how to make that more a part of the culture. You know, I'm not necessarily 
I, I don't think that I'm in a situation where, you know, our leaders are 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 not interested, if you will, or or are not focused on that. <clears throat> I think it's actually about you know highlighting and um, identifying the data that will be compelling enough for us to you know um, bring the entire organization along on this journey. Um, Mike, as you were talking about you know, shifting our teams and even, you know, starting fresh. I was, I was trying that idea on um, and wondering how that could even, that could work. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's um, a lot of really interesting insights. Um, I think the most important thing is to start with the data. I'm always big on data and finding, finding the data and the indicators and, and what story that tells us. Um so, you know, I think at this point, I'm, I'm still just thinking about those those ideas. I think it's been a great conversation, and I've certainly got a lot of great ideas out of this conversation. Awesome. Well, so um, we're, we're coming up to time, so I just thought I might summarize a couple of the key points that we, we talked about here, is that as you as you scale, it's you should recognize that as, orga as organizations start to scale up in size, the, the, there will be this point where you want to create a repeatable thing that's not based on not based on magic and that requires a few different things it requires the people all of the, all of the people in the organization to understand that that's an opportunity not a threat and it's an opportunity to try different skills to recognize that it is something that is very different to the way you might have been operating before to the point where you might even want to think about treating it as team a and team b um, that uh, getting over yourself as an expert and being able to turn yourself into somebody that is uh, a learner and trying to deconstruct what it is you're, you're actually doing, recognizing you're coming from a position of expertise is critical in making that, making that shift. And as Drew was saying, providing space to process what it is you're actually doing and the situation you're in. Um, and trying not to, you know, moving from an organisation that is that is powered by magic from to one that is powered by uh, powered by repeatable process. Um, and uh, and a book recommendation would be uh, would be extreme ownership. Uh, I would also add to that uh, a book called Turn the Ship Around, which is about very similar principles. But if you prefer uh, submarines to seals, then uh, you can. You, that, that's a similar concept. Um, and so, thank you to uh, thank you to both of you for for uh, your, your your thoughts, opinions, experiences. Uh, a pleasure as always uh, hope for those of you listening that this was this was valuable again if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas for future topics we'd welcome to hear them as we would any feedback uh, on on whether you know whether this is helpful to you in uh, as customer success practitioners thank you once again for listening and we will join you again next time <laughs>